This is Pastor Sean, and on April 14, 1991, when I was a freshman in college, I preached my first message at a Sunday night service at Vista Grande Baptist Church in Colorado Springs, and I've actually found that message, and so uh, this is a throwback to the past. If you want to listen to my very first sermon, and at the end of it, you can say he's come a long way, baby, a little bit different in my theology now than I was back then, but for a uh, a 19-year-old kid, pretty solid message, and so here's my very first sermon ever preached on April 4th, 1991. Uh, chapter 3. This is Paul's charge to, te- to Timothy when Timothy was entering the ministry. But I also think that this charge is God's charge to every Christian. And the things that Paul tells Timothy are going to be applicable to us in these last days. I'm going to start with verse 12 and follow, if you just follow along with me. I'm going to be reading from the New International Version. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil men and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, encourage, with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. But instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. In verse 5, the key verse for tonight, But you, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, and do the work of an evangelist. There's three things there that God tells us to do. And if you have a pen or a piece of paper, I, I encourage you to write these down. Uh, the first thing is keep your head in all situations. Now, what does that mean? Keep your head in all situations. Well, you know, it's having self-control. One of the things is self-control. You know, if you're at work and the boss comes up to you and he's, you know, he's really a weird kind of guy and he's always yelling at you and he's really uptight about things and you just want to feel like hitting him or getting mad, you got to hold back and let the love of Christ dwell in you so you don't you have self-control. And keeping your head in all situations also means you need to be able to discern between good and evil. Because there's so much evil out in the world right now. I mean, it is so bad. You turn on the television, you turn on the radio, you watch movies, you read the newspaper and magazines. There's so much evil out there, and there's so much... It's getting so mu- so harder to, to, to make a line between... You know, so many people out there don't want to make a line between what's good and what's evil. And um, we need to also be solid in our beliefs, too. Because I think it's in Isaiah, it says, if you don't stand firm in your beliefs, you won't stand at all. And I think there's going to come a time where you're going to have to be solid in your beliefs because they're going to be really tested. And there's going to be so many weird philosophies and ideas out there that are just going to take over this world. And if you're not solid in your beliefs, it's, it's not going to work. And you, got, you sit there and ask yourself, well, these are impossible. How do I do these? These things are so hard. 
Well, there's two keys to how we can keep our head in all situations. Key number one, we gotta spend daily, we gotta spend time daily with God in prayer. We gotta get down on our knees before God every single day and say, hey God, I can't make it through this day by myself. I gotta trust totally on you. I gotta, I gotta just rely on you. That daily communication with God is what's gonna keep our head in all situations. Because when we constantly communicate with God, we hear the things of God. And we get in touch with the mind of God. And he tells us the things that that he wants us to do. Remember Jesus when he went into the Garden of Gethsemane right before um, his crucifixion? And he asked his disciples to pray for him so they wouldn't fall, you know, to pray. And Jesus comes back and his disciples are asleep. And Jesus says, come on, guys. I only asked you to stay one hour, just one hour and watch and pray with me. And, you know, last semester when I was at Baylor, I took a course at my church on, um, it's called Bible-based praying. It was how to pray an hour a day. And, you know, that's a very hard thing, and I really haven't kept up with the commitment because it's very hard, and I know a lot of people don't have that kind of time. But if Christ is to be our number one priority in life, we need to spend quality time with Him each day in prayer. Secondly, we need to spend time in the Word. God, look, look back at verse 316. Um, all Scripture, you know, the total Bible, is God-breathed and is useful for teaching rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now the Bible, God gives us four things that the Bible does. First of all, it teaches. You ask, what is teaching? Simply what teaching does is it tells us what is right. The Bible is full of truth and what is right. There's going to be a lot of things out in the world that aren't right. And if they come in conflict with what God's word says, it's not right. Secondly, the Bible rebukes. What does rebuking mean? It tells us what is wrong. Um, it tells us what actions are wrong, what attitudes are wrong, you know, what motives and things in our life are wrong, and wh- what kind of actions we need to take. Correcting, the third thing, tells us how to get right. How to get right with God. It tells us the way in which we should go. Training in righteousness simply tells us how to stay right. Daily in Bible study and prayer teaches us to stay right with God. Um, Psalms 119, 9-11, a really uh, encouraging verse to me um, that I've really kind of taken to heart here in the past couple years. It says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. How can we keep our way pure? How can we keep our head in all situations? simply by living according to the word. Living according to what God's word says. And it also says, I seek you with all my heart. That sort of says to me that we need to seek God every day with a humble heart saying, I can't make it through this day, God, but you can help me. I need to totally rely on you. And I've hidden your word in my heart. We need to commit scripture to our hearts and we need to really be so involved with the word that it's so indwelled in our hearts that that we know the word so thoroughly. And... um. I really believe that right now there's so many false teachers and false doctrines out there. We, we've seen the New Age just catapult in the past couple of years, and it's getting worse every day, and it's even infiltrating into the churches. And um, Peter, he writes in First Peter, he says, he says, be prepared. Prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Christ is revealed. Now, God, I think told us this so when we get in a compromising situation we won't have to worry about what we're going to do 
He wants us to prepare our minds beforehand. If you're prepared in God's Word, if you're prepared through prayer, when you get into that compromising situation where you need to keep your head in all situations, you'll have God's Word and the strength and the preparation of your heart and mind to rely on. And um, secondly, the second thing that that, um, Paul writes to Timothy and that God tells us is that we need to endure hardships. Right now in America, we don't, we don't know what hardship is. But I, I guarantee you, ask somebody who lived in Eastern Europe a couple of years ago what hardship was, and I, I think they could give a pretty good definition. Or somebody from China, what hardship is. But I do think a time is coming very soon when we're going to have to face some hardships for our belief. I don't know how soon it is, but I do believe that there's going to be a kind of time when Christians are going to be looked upon as bad. And what, what are some hardships going on right now? Maybe you're having problems with your parents. You know, maybe we're not having this real hardcore hardships, but maybe you're having problems with your parents. You just can't get along. Or maybe you're having financial difficulties. Or maybe you're just getting, like, young people. Maybe your friends at school are just, like, getting down your back for being a Christian. They're saying you're really stupid and, you know, stuff like that for being a Christian. Or maybe you're just lonely. Or maybe you're just having temptations. Or maybe you're just downright into spiritual warfare. And, um... James says, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. Because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life God promised for those who love him. Now, you remember Paul. He's probably one of the greatest Christians we've ever had. And he was kind of a a unique guy. Um, He was always going around and getting thrown in jail and getting beaten and stuff like that. And one time the the rulers and everybody came up to him and said, Paul, we're going to kill you. And he said, that's fine. Go ahead and kill me. To die is gain. You know, if you kill me, I'm going to spend eternity with, with Jesus in, in heaven, so go ahead and kill me. And the leaders are saying, wait a minute. This guy's weird. He's saying, go ahead and kill me. And so the leaders say, all right, we'll go ahead and let you live. Okay. Paul says, all right, that's fine. For me to live is Christ. No problem. And they're like, wait a minute. This guy's weird. we got to do something. So they said, all right, Paul, we're going to let you live, but we're going to put you in jail, we're going to beat you, we're going to flog you, we're going to make your life totally horrible. And he says, no problem. You know what Jesus said to me? He said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul says, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak then I am strong. And I bet you those leaders are sitting there saying, what are we going to do with this guy? He's totally crazy. But that's the way we got to be. we gotta, we got to claim that promise. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. It's such a simple little phrase, but it says a lot. And um, thirdly, we need to do the work of an evangelist. Evangelism, missions, witnessing, whatever you want to call it. It's so important because there's so many people, there's millions of people out there that don't know Christ And they're going to hell because they just don't know. That's the plain truth. And I think a lot of Christians get so content in their beliefs that they fail to realize that people actually do go to hell. That's a hard concept for me to understand. You know, I really can't think of somebody actually spending eternity in hell. You always think, well, well, you know, what if, you know, they might get out after a little while. No, it's for eternity. You know, Jesus, his last words on earth before his ascension, he said, go. Go therefore unto all nations, making disciples, baptizing them in in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. And surely I will be with you always, 
even until the very end of the age. And again, he said, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. You know, there's, there's a song out right now, and it says, it says, don't tell them Jesus loves them if you're not ready to love them too. And that really kind of hit home to me. Because we talk about people over in Africa that are dying and stuff, and, and we don't know those people personally, but we need to have a burden for the lost. And um, I'm going to have to put a little plug in for EE because I'm involved in it, and I know it'll make my dad happy and all the other people in EE. So, but I mean, I'm serious, folks. If you're really battling with whether you should be a witness for Christ, or if you're really, you know, struggling with, with your witnessing life, man, next semester join up, because it's been one of the greatest blessings for me. Because it teaches you in a systematic way how to present the gospel. And you can just go and... It, it's, it's helped me develop a more burden for the lost and to get into scripture and just to go out and, and just tell people, you know, I'm not going to save anybody. I don't think anybody out here can say they're going to save anybody. Billy Graham can't even save anybody. God's the only one that can save people. But at the same time, God says you need to go. You need to go tell the people. That's our responsibility is, is to tell the good news. And youth... Man, y'all are in a unique position. I think your parents would be envious of the position that y'all are in right now. Think about your school. Think about how many thousands of kids you're around each day that you that you have you just have a total harvest out there that you can reap because you can. I mean, it's it's. I mean, it's just amazing how many people are out there just hungry for the word. And you need. I mean, young people, you need to really develop a burden for your friends because a lot of them don't know Christ, and you're the only one that's going to be able to tell them. And you're such a unique position at school that you can do that. Um, Oliver Cromwell, I think a lot of you all know him, the uh, Puritan guy who was about 400 years ago the Prime Minister of England. One day, he looked around England and he said, we're running out of silver, we're running out of coins, we're running out of money. What should we do? So he calls in all of his um, guards and all of his, his people under him and he says, we have a real problem here. We have no more silver left to run this country. I want you guys to go out into the English countryside and see what you can do about it. So they go out into the countryside. They don't find any gold, except for in this huge cathedral, this huge Anglican cathedral. All these statues of saints are, are just filled in this cathedral, and they're made out of silver. And so they come back to Oliver Cromwell, and they say, We have bad news, sir. The, we went out there, and there's no silver except in these beautiful cathedrals with these saints. You know, these, these statues of saints are silver. And Oliver Cromwell says, good. We'll melt down the, saint, we'll melt down the saints and put them into circulation. <laughs> now, if that's not a testimony to what God does to us, God melts us down and circulates us through the mainstream of humanity. God doesn't want us just to stand in church on Sunday morning looking very pious if we're not going to go around and circulate into the world. And I really believe that because if you come to church and that's all you do on Sunday and you sit here and receive good stuff, and all you do is go to Sunday school and receive good stuff and don't go out and share the good stuff with other people, then Christianity is a loss. Because, I mean, it's good for you to have fellowship, but if you don't share it with other people, it's a real shame. It's a real waste. I want you to turn over to um, Titus, a couple pages over. A real little neat book that I really like. It's packed with a lot of good stuff for a real small book. Um, one sixteen says, They claim to know God, but by their actions they, they deny Him. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. And there are a lot of Christians out there that claim to know God. They claim to say that they're Christians, but by their actions, they deny Him. By their actions, they don't show that they're a Christian. 
And you know what God says about that? He says they're detestable. They're, they're disobedient. They're unfit for doing anything good. So as Christians, if we're going to claim the name of Christ, we need to let our lives and our actions exemplify that. And over in verse 11, For it is the grace of God that brings salvation, or for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live a self-controlled, upright, and godly life where? In this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope. What? The glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who did what? Gave himself for, for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. You know what Christ did when he died on the cross? He died on the cross so that we could live eternal life with him and that while on earth he could purify for himself a people that are able to do good works christians we're in the we're in a purification process right now where god jesus himself is purifying his people he's cleaning us up he's getting us ready to go out into the world and to do good things in conclusion i just have one thing to say and it's something that stephen curtis chapman he's a contemporary christian singer right now he said and this this really hit home to me and i hope this is your prayer he said, it's a key time in our lives when we ask, is Christianity going to be a part of our lives or is it going to be life itself? And that's something we've got to ask ourselves. Is Christianity just going to be a part of what we do or is it going to be life itself? I want everybody to bow their heads right now.